Ugh, I love Jenny Kane. At this very moment, I'm feeling so comfy and cozy as I'm practically getting a hug from my Jenny Kane crop cashmere cocoon cardigan. I am enjoying this sweater so much that I've been living in it all spring long. And with Mother's Day just around the corner, this is a feeling you can gift all the well-deserving moms, moms-to-be, and mother figures in your life by giving them the gift of Jenny Kane. Along with bringing you this episode, Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed so super easy. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. Jenny Kane means luxurious cashmere sweaters, iconic accessories, elevated versions of your everyday basics, plus the most incredible home essentials. For a limited time, Birthful listeners get 15% off their first order. Go to JennyKane.com and use the code BIRTHFUL15 to get 15% off and support the show. Jenny Kane is known for their quintessential sweaters, with their cotton collection providing you with the perfect everyday pieces as the days get warmer. But they also have gorgeous sundresses in a variety of silhouettes for any occasion and spectacular sandals to go along with them. Find the perfect Mother's Day gift or curate your new spring go-tos at JennyKane.com. Birthful listeners get 15% off your first order when you use the code BIRTHFUL15 at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E dot com, promo code BIRTHFUL15. Get yourself and the mothers in your life the gift of Jenny Kane. Diaper rash. It can be a truly uncomfortable experience for a baby. And so I find that one of the biggest conundrums when diapering is figuring out what diaper cream to use. So many options are thick and goopy, making them hard to apply and hard to wipe off. But I can personally say that this is not the case for Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician-approved skin protectant that is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, designed as a breathable formula to help maintain an optimal skin barrier while allowing the healing to occur. This butt balm was developed by a mom who is also a doctor, hence the name Dr. Mom Butt Balm, when she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash and she wasn't about to settle. So she created Dr. Mom Butt Balm to go on smooth and be easy to remove while also being gentle on your baby's delicate skin. With Dr. Mom Butt Balm, you can say goodbye to excessive wiping to clean your little one's already chafed skin. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is so soft and goes on so smooth that you'll only need a small amount instead of having to layer on a thick goop. Plus, it has a lovely minty scent. Learn more about Dr. Mom Butt Balm at DrMomButtBalm.com That's DrMomButtBalm.com or look for it at Amazon.com. Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today we're going to be talking about virtual doula support. So what do you need to do to prepare for it? 
What about the technology? What can you practice ahead of time? Does this shift your partner's responsibilities? Do you just keep your laptop open the whole time? And how does it differ from regular doula support? Jackie Devereaux, mother of three, shares her experiences with receiving virtual doula support by choice and more. Stay tuned. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros and new parents to inform your intuition. Hello, Mighty Parents and Parents-to-be. Thank you for joining me for this episode. If what you hear is helpful, do make sure you subscribe. It's free and that way you're not going to miss a thing. My guest today is Jackie Devereaux, who contacted me wanting to share her experiences with having virtual doula support by choice rather than necessity. And how exciting and unusual is that, right? As you can imagine, I was super excited to hear all about it as expectant parents and doulas everywhere are having to redefine what doula support looks like in these times of social distancing. And so to frame this conversation, I want to share what Jackie wrote to me. And she said, quote, of all the fears to have surrounding birth and this difficult time we're in, the choice between virtual support and physical support doesn't need to be fearful. It does take some patience, understanding and communication, but you can receive the doula support you need virtually. End quote. So how about, yeah, super exciting. Let's get right to it. Welcome, Jackie. I am so glad that you are here on the show to share your experiences with virtual doula support. Thank you. Yeah, I am also really excited about it. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Who are you? Yeah, so I guess in this context, I'm a mom of three. I My oldest name is Sterling. He's will be five tomorrow. He was my 2015 birth. Oh, happy birthday. Um, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it's a little bit different this year, but we're excited nonetheless. Um, then I have an almost three-year-old. His name is Baker. He was my 2017 birth. And then I have an almost one-year-old. Her name is Evangeline, but we call her Lena. And she was my 2019 birth. Mm -hmm. And the reason I'm talking to you, and this was super exciting to me, um, was because right now with this COVID thing that we've got going on, we're seeing birth support being limited and most doulas are not allowed to go into the birthing room. And a lot of them, including myself, are providing virtual doula support and which is something completely new for all of us and for a lot of our clients who weren't really thinking that's what they, you know, what they signed up for. But you yourself have experienced virtual doula support by choice. So tell us a little bit about, did you have... So Sterling in 2015, was that with your doula was physically present? Yes. My first birth with my oldest Sterling, um, my doula Ursula from Birth You Desire, um, she's based out of the D.C. area. And at the time I lived there. Um, so we had a traditional, a more traditional, you know, in-person birth with her. Um, I shortly moved out of the area after that. I moved to California. And so when it came to my 2017 birth and my 2019 birth, um, I didn't have any of the same providers that I had with my first birth. And Ursula and I originally worked together on it 
And I asked her about it and she said, well, you know, let's find somebody in your local community. We can do it together. Um, we can find somebody that you pair up with. And so that was our first plan. But after about a week, I had been, th I had been thinking about it. And I said to her, you know, you and I built this trust and I trust you implicitly. I can't imagine birthing without you. You know, would you be willing to try a virtual being a virtual doula for us? Um, because for me, it was a lot more important about the relationship than it was about physically having, you know, a person there that was not her. Mm -hmm. Um and so, do you, so then, for those your two second, your two most recent births, that she provided virtual doula supports for you. Yes. Yeah, so my twenty seventeen birth was in a birth center, and we she provided support over FaceTime, um, and that was the first time for both of us. And then my twenty nineteen birth, um, she was a home birth, and we did um, virtual support over FaceTime as well, and we learned lessons on the first one that we kind of implemented for the second birth. And that's what makes this conversation even greater because it's just not explaining about virtual support by choice, but even tried and true tested <laughs> virtual support <laughs> where you went through it and then worked out the kinks. So tell me, how did you and Ursula, your doula, prepare differently for virtual doula support versus having live doula support? Yeah, you know, um, in some ways, the process that you talk about birth is the same, except there's just um, some added conversations about logistics. Um, and, you know, one of the one of the things that we realized after our first birth is we didn't really have a stand for Ursula. We didn't really have, um, you know, we had thought that we would hang her something. We had a case where you could hang her, but then there was nothing really to hang her from. So in our first birth, you know, a few times she kind of got left behind. Um, you know, <laughs> some nobody was in charge of moving her or all of a sudden it was kind of, where's Ursula? And, you know, she's staring at the wall because we all had moved to a different spot in the room. Um, so that was one thing that we learned and we really talked about, you know, for the second time we did it was, you know, really putting your partner in charge of moving her where she needs to be, either where the mom knows she needs to be or where the doula is asking to be in order to, you know, try to assess something or see how far along, you know, the mom is. Um, so, so that was, you know, having conversations about that and having conversations um, about, you know, having your partner has to be more hands-on and the doula has to be willing to direct the partner more because your partner becomes the doula's physical presence. Right. Um, and in terms of providing, you know, support and like a, a counter pressure to the back or doing a double hip squeeze or she had to guide, basically connect with your, your husband and guide the process. Yeah. And in that way, it was actually, it was a benefit to our birth. You know, my husband, you know, by default had to be more engaged because he had to take direction and be her hands. And like you're saying, doing massaging or doing counter pressures on the hips um, and, 
you know, or I, I really, I need usually a handhold or, um, so some of these little things that, you know, previously in our hospital birth, you know, the doula kind of took the primary role and my husband would be secondary when she needed a break, you know, it had completely turned where my husband played a larger role in that he played the primary role. Um, and then, you know, the midwives kind of played the backup for him. And so it was a little bit of role changing. Um, but it was exciting for us to, to, for him to play that different role in our second two births. Yeah. And I don't know if he's giving you feedback, give, has given you feedback in the difference for him and he's not here to answer it, but, um, how did he feel in terms of the difference of having to provide that physical connection guided by the doula versus what he experienced during that first birth where the doula was present? Do you know? Yeah, I think it's funny. I think he had some nerves around it. You know, he kind of had to, um, he couldn't really take as much of a back seat. So initially I think he was really nervous, but what's really great is, um, because Ursula and we had talked about it ahead of time, you know, she was really good at knowing that she had to direct him. And so her directions were really good. And I think that was important is in that moment, as a parent, you have so many emotions, um, and fears and, you know, excitement and everything's going on that it's easy to follow directions, Um, and so if the doula is good at giving those directions and prepared to give those directions, you know, I think it was easy for him to follow the directions, but if, you know, we didn't have a doula and he was left to his own devices in that moment with all those emotions, I think it would have been very difficult for him to figure out what to do. Yeah, which is really nice to hear because that's one of the things that having a doula, virtual or not, um, provides that really great support for the partner. And I have tons of partners that are like the biggest doula advocates because there's that help and support and guiding, you know, and building confidence and, and normalizing the situation. So it makes sense that that can be provided either way. But I really appreciate how not having the physical fallback on the doula meant that he had to step in more and then be more present for you. Because at the end of the day, it's just, you know, you two are the ones that are going to take this baby home. So it's, yeah, I appreciate that. Let's um, take a break. When I, when we come back, I want to hear more about the tech stuff and what you guys chose for a platform and how that went. We'll be right back. And we are back talking with Jackie Devereaux about her birth experiences with virtual doula support. And so you mentioned that in terms of like, there's some responsibility that the the partner has to take for connecting more with the doula in terms of making sure they're in charge of moving the device that carries the doula so that the doula is not left behind. And also um, having a conversation and connecting with them in terms of receiving guidance for providing physical comfort measures and comfort touch, um, sort of being the doula's extended hands. Is there anything else that's important for the partner to make sure they talk about? Yeah, I think, I think it's important if you know, if you can visualize your birth and kind of know where 
you want the doula position. So for me, it was very important that I could see her at all times. And so actually for our second birth, one of the things we learned is we got a tripod that could shrink really small and could be, you know, I don't know, five feet tall, something like that. Um, and so she, we had kind of adjustable heights and he, like what we learned from the first time we did it is, you know, instead of having her in a basket or relying on a countertop that's very fixed is, you know, he knew like, I need to see her at all times. And so I needed her, no matter what position we moved into, we, if we moved into another room, I needed her to be near my head, like in near my face. And so he understood that that was one of his primary jobs as soon as we moved positions. And to me, that was huge because I would start panicking if I couldn't see her or I didn't know where she was. Um, and, you know, and, and to that extent, it was funny, um, my doula had muted herself because you have that option when you're doing things virtually and she didn't, she was at her house, she didn't want her dog or, you know, any background noise. Uh, but when we talked about it after the fact, I actually had said to her, I said, I think I would have preferred to be unmuted and hear background noise because then I would have known constantly, you know, that you were still there and have that reassurance. Because when it was muted, I remember there was a few times where I had said, hey, Ursula, you know, are you, are you still there? Are you still there? And, you know, and she'd unmute and she'd say, yep, still here. Um, but yeah, so kind of those little things of, you know, would you prefer it to be muted or unmuted are good conversations to have initially um, because it's easy to assume as a dual, like, oh, you know, they wouldn't want to hear the dog barking or I don't want to, you know, anything in the background. Um, but it's just kind of those little nuances that, again, if you can really vis try to visualize your birth and think through some of these technological options that you have now, um, really think about a preference of, you know, would I want it muted or not? You know, would I want her near my head or would I want her, you know, seeing the action from below? And some of that might change given the circumstances. But um, mm. yeah. Did it get distracting at all having to keep track of her? The tripod made it really easy. I think when we didn't have the tripod, you know, it was, it became a little bit more of, well, where can we put her? Well, can we see her? Should I move so she can see me? So I think that with our first birth, there was a little bit more stress about it, although we just left her behind, you know, if I'm in a contraction and, you know, we moved to a stool and, you know, it was understood. She wasn't offended and it was understood that that kind of came second. Um, but that's why I'm saying if you think through some of those logistics and have flexible options, different cases, or like I said, the tripod I know is really easy, but I know right now that might not be an easy thing to get depending on when your birth is. Um, but with the tripod, it really wasn't because it was just a matter of, you know, just moving her around. Um, and I'm guessing but that if, if, you, if you have the tripod and you have a lap, uh, a tablet where you can see her face more than just a small phone, you can even dress that tripod up so that it looks like, you know, like it has a, a physical, like a person presence in the room. So it's so easier to move around. 
It is funny you say that. We actually did that. <laughs> I I surprised her and I got one of her her shirts for that she has for her company and I dressed her up in with yoga pants and this t-shirt and what's funny about it is is it was kind of just a joke and we were planning on, you know, undressing her because we had stuffed it. It made the tripod a little bit more clunky. Um, but um, I think we actually, she ended up staying in it. We just like, we hadn't um, disassembled it for whatever reason by the time when we went into birth. And so she ended up that way and it kind of was nice, like you're saying. And and I, I should have mentioned, we did use an iPad um, both okay. times. Yeah. Um, did you guys, bef- you know, before the first time around, did you test this before the birth was happening? And if you didn't, would you recommend that? Did you do it for the second time around? We did not test it and I would recommend it. Um, one of the things with the birth center um, is the Wi-Fi. You know, I ended up birthing in the bathroom for a lot of it. Um, and we didn't know that the Wi-Fi in the bathroom, because it's kind of a more closed off room, was going to be different than the main room. So we had some difficulties there. Um, with our home birth, we actually did test it and we got an extender for the upstairs of our house, a Wi-Fi extender, um, just so we wouldn't have any issues if I chose to go into the bathroom again, you know, or if I went to a more remote place in our house, you know, our internet was always reliable, but we never relied on it in this way. And so we had just gotten, I don't know, I think it was like $80 on Amazon, this, you know, Netgear extender. Um, And we did test it, you know, even just my husband and myself, you know, FaceTime and he left the house and, you know, I kind of moved around every room in the house. Um, so I, th- I think it'd be easier to test in a birth center as well. You're a little bit more controlled as to know what rooms would be available to you. Um, I think a, a hospital is the hardest setting to kind of do a, a pre-test with it. Um, well, it, yeah. And right now you can't just go for a tour because right. they're not accepting well. visitors. But I'm guessing, like my experience with Wi-Fis in hospitals is that they're pretty good, but it might be a good idea to have a backup if the Wi-Fi is not working, like maybe be able to set your phone on as a hotspot or something, I don't know, some way of having a backup so that then all things aren't go out the window. Yeah, I think with most things like birth, it's always great to have the A, B, and C plan. Oh, yeah. Um, and I agree. I think a mobile hotspot, maybe for some reason, maybe it's less trafficked, you'd get a little bit more... Um, reception out of Um, and also just remembering like where you know worst case scenario like the landline you know hospitals usually still have landlines Um, you know you could at least get a very good audio connection that way Um, but with virtual support it definitely is you know if you have an in-person support the questions are you know, about commute times and how far is a duel away from the hospital and is she physically at another birth? It's the same logistical questions, although right now you don't have to worry about commute time. And if she's at another birth, she might still be able to flip back and forth. Um, But what you do need to think about is your B and C plan of if you don't have Wi-Fi. So it's less about I got stuck in traffic, the duel got stuck in traffic, and it's more about the internet's down 
or, mm-hmm. you know, so, so just thinking through, you know, that what if, um, I think you can try to think about, like you're saying, the hotspot um, or a landline or a Wi-Fi extender. Mm. And you just mentioned a great point, which is what happens if you have several clients go, if the doula has several clients go in uh, and labor at the same time, which is a conversation that we usually have in terms of having backups and having different options when there's, when it's a face-to-face physical support. Um, what did you guys to figure out what what was that plan that you discussed in case she had another client going to labor at the same time? You know, I actually think this is one of the areas where virtual support gives you a little bit more flexibility than in person, because like I mentioned, there's no real commute times. And so it's similar in in how you know if i go into labor and i'm having physical support from a doula and somebody else is in labor you know there there are similar options still available backup virtual doulas um but it actually happened with our first virtual doula birth where when we went into labor um my doula was at another birth and and what was great about it is, is she picked up and she said, listen, I'm at this birth. I've been with this mom for over 20 hours in labor. She's about to go into a C-section. How are you doing? You know, and so I kind of described what was going on and sounded like early labor. And she said, okay, I'd really like to see this mom through the C-section. If not, I do have a backup available. She had a, stu- a student doula there that the other mom was comfortable, you know, swapping out. And she said, but if you're okay, I'd like to see her through. And I said, you know, right now I'm okay. You know, let's touch base. I'll tell you if I'm not, let's touch base, you know, when you're done. So she called me back, you know, 45 minutes, an hour later and said, okay, you know, I finished your C-section. We have a healthy baby. Um, I'm at the hospital. You know, how are you doing? I told her how I was doing. She kind of said, all right, well, I'd really love to go home and set up at home Um, It would take me about 45 minutes. Do you think you can wait? You know, we can talk on the phone while I drive. um, Or if you need my support now, I'll set up here at the hospital. And I said, no, I think I think I can do it. You know, go ahead and travel home and we'll connect when you get back at home. And so she got home. She got set up. We were both connected. And and so for me, you know, it it's almost, you know, if if that was the other way around and you're at, if you needed physical support, there would be no option of at the end of the C-section, let me set up here at the hospital. It would be, it's going to take me, you know, whatever, 45 minutes to get to your hospital or, you know, whatever the circumstances may be. And so, you know, it's kind of once they're done at a certain point with that other birth, they immediately can switch over. Um, And I think that is actually a benefit to virtual support. Well, and I think just having a conversation with your doula, regardless of where the support is happening and having these conversations that are so unique to the circumstances and the timing that is happening right there is really part of it. You're always, it's a communication and making choices together, right? There's always options and you go back and forth. And I think that's the strength of a good doula client relationship that you understand that 
we're both humans. We're both have <laughs> life that happens and, and we're both trying to accommodate, you know, things. I will provide as much as I can for you, but let me be honest with what's going on here in circumstances and tell me how you feel about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually was just talking to a mom the other day about that as well. And, and that's exactly what I said is I said, you know, my doula in particular that I had worked with, I said, she is incredible at understanding the circumstances for each mom and prioritizing and communicating that. And I agree with you. I think, I think it's a great skill to have. And I think most doulas have it because you hone it and you're used to doing it already is understanding the personalities of each mom, the level of attention each mom needs. And they already have that, at least a baseline of that understanding, you know, with some of the prenatal meetings. Um, and, and then I can't, you know, speak enough to how much you guys have an understanding of subtle labor cues that as a parent, you don't realize how much your doula is tuning into sounds you're making or movements you're making. Um, and that informs them as to, you know, your labor progress. And, and so I found that my doula is just excellent at really knowing, you know, at the time with that birth, she knew that I was in early labor. I didn't really know that at the time, but she was aware that it was most likely early labor and that she had time to finish a C-section birth and to, you know, drive home. And, and so I take so much comfort in that and rely on her that if she's asking me, there's a good chance she has some feeling, some inclination that I can do it. I can wait. I can, you know, and so having that trust and that relationship and that communication, I think is key. Mm, and you make a great point because very often when I'm conversing with clients in early labor or at some, whenever they call me on the phone, right? When we're trying to negotiate and trying to determine when do you want me over? Do you need me now? Not yet. I'll check in later. Like that whole, you know, first stage of things happening. There's so much to be said for when by chance I get the partnered call, calls, I always want to hear her, <laughs> hear the birthing person <laughs> just for a second because I get so much information. And right there, I'm not physically with them, right? But I'm just tuning into the sounds they're making, how, how chatty they are or whether it's taking them, is it harder for them to speak, like all sorts of things that do cue you in in terms of how quickly this will go or not. And there's sometimes when they're like, no, we're fine. We don't need you. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to like jump into my car right now and start moving and just stay, just park in front of your house because I know that this is going to, you're going to meet me soon. Um, so yeah, that's a great point, which then in your case, you didn't find that you found that your doula was able to still pick up on the nuances and provide what you needed, even though she wasn't physically in the space. Oh, definitely. And I think what what also is great about having a virtual understanding is with my second birth, my 2019 birth, um, you know, I, I went into labor at one in the morning. Lucky for me, there's a three hour time difference. So it was four in the morning for her. So I kind of labored by myself for about an hour. And then I was like, five in the morning seems more reasonable. <laughs> um, and so anyways, I, 
I, you know, we initially FaceTimed and what's great about it is I don't have to ask her to like, get up, get dressed, get out of her house, come over and see me. You know, I literally just FaceTimed her, you know, she listened to me, you know, watched me for a little bit, move around and have some contractions. And she said, okay, you know, you seem like you're doing good. How's this? Like, you know, let me get, you know, I had a lot, I had a late night. I had a long birth last night. Let me try to get, you know, one more hour of sleep. Um, so if that's okay with you, I'm going to try to get an hour of sleep. I'll call you in an hour and we'll see where you're at. And again, I don't feel like I just, I felt, it felt easy to me to reach out to her because I'm not asking her, like I said, to meet me at the hospital or whatever, but we got to take an hour pause. She got to be able to, you know, replenish with another hour of sleep, knowing we were probably going into a long labor situation. And then she called me back and we essentially were kind of continuous for, you know, the rest of the birth, which I forget, I don't know, maybe was like another, you know, eight hours, seven hours, six hours, somewhere in the multiple hours range. Um, that she really just, you know, stayed with me, but there's an ease. It seems less obtrusive to yeah. the doula. Well, absolutely. And it would probably, if you would have said, well, why don't you come over? It would have probably taken her about an hour to get out and get and get to you, which because she didn't have to do that, she could just take that time to sleep and be more, you know, coherent to be able to provide you what you need. I appreciate that. Um, right. And I mean, it, it might seem silly. It's even little things like you're not worried about, oh, I've been in labor for six hours and nobody's eaten. Right. I know that she can get up in her own house, go to her kitchen, fix herself a sandwich and come back. You know, And so there's there's some really easy things. And for me, I'm a people pleaser. And so there's a relief to feeling like it is, you know, less of an inconvenience that it just makes me feel a little bit easy that she's in the comfort of her own home. She's still able to provide these services for me. And it seems like a, um, a mutually beneficial situation where we both have the comforts and supports that we need while still providing this essential service to each other. Mm. You mentioned before um, a little bit about coordinating what happens um, in terms of that continuous support or when to contact her. I want to get into the details of what you guys worked out for that and questions that are good for people to ask in terms of that. But let's take a quick break first and we'll be right back. Today's episode is sponsored by Acorns, and sometimes I find that investing gets put off because it doesn't seem urgent or because with our busy lives, we may not have the time to research and manage said investments, which is why I so appreciate that Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing for your future and that you don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started with just your spare change. So for example, I take advantage of Acorn's roundup feature where they round up the purchase amounts I make in my linked account to the nearest dollar, and then they automatically transfer that to my invest account portfolio. Also, Acorns can recommend an expert-built portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invest your money for you. 
For me, that's easy peasy investing. Head to acorns.com slash birthful or download the Acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today. Client testimonial may not be representative of all clients. Tier 1 compensation provided. Compensation provides an incentive to positively promote Acorns. View important disclosures at acorns.com slash birthful. Investing involves risk, including loss of principal. Please consider your objectives, risk tolerance, and Acorns fees before investing. Acorns Advisors LLC Acorns is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are provided to clients of Acorns by Acorn Securities LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. For more information, visit acorns.com. Tell me if this sounds familiar. You've taken gorgeous photos of your baby or your kids, and then when you want to share them, it is a pain either trying to find the photos or figuring out the group text that they should go to, and then also remembering that, say, Aunt Helen only does email, so you need to send her image separately. Or like in my case, where my husband is a photographer who takes magnificent photos that I rarely actually get to see because they live on his phone or end up scattered in text messages that I can't easily find. Enter the Family Album app, which was created to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with your loved ones. Basically, it's a personal space for your family's memories without third-party ads or unwanted eyes and with a bunch of fabulous features. It automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and easily see how your child has grown. And you can also order eight photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. The Family Album app also has unlimited storage. Plus, it's totally free. Yup, no more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by third-party ads. So, to all the parents out there still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, level up your family photo game for free and securely with the Family Album photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, all in one word, and download the app to start creating your shared photo legacy. And we are back talking with Jackie Devereaux about virtual doula support and her experiences. And one of the things, because I've had so many questions this week pop up from clients and from you know listeners and other doulas, and we're discussing as we're trying to figure out this virtual doula support, one of the things that comes up is how... Some doulas are about providing the support more via phone and text, and it's more intermittent. And other ones are about being there continuously. And I guess some are about doing a, a mix. So what worked for you guys? And when I say continuously is, you know, setting up the laptop and then you're there for however many hours, um, just sitting by like you would if you were there present. What was your experience? From what I recollect, you know, as we all know, you kind of forget parts of labor. From what I recollect is she definitely was there for whenever I needed her. I don't remember wishing she was there and she wasn't, except like I had mentioned before, you know, kind of when she would get left behind and we'd scoot her over. Um, So in my mind, I believe I had continuous um, support from her, like I said, with my labor with Lena. Um, I think I'm pretty sure it was continuous at least from 6am to she was born just before one. Um, and I think it, it, 
it seems to be a little bit easier because even though I knew that she was continuously there and she was continuously connected to me, I do remember, you know, seeing an empty chair sometimes. And so I'm sure, unbeknownst to me, she was answering other clients' texts or emails or like, you know, getting herself food or letting her dog out. You know, she, I think it maybe, I mean, she could obviously talk better to this. Um, I don't want to speak for her, but I could imagine that it makes it a little bit more flexible on her end as well, um, that she, although she was definitely always there when I needed her, she also could do some of these smaller things and these things on the side um, without really disrupting what was going on with me. And as long as whenever I said, hey, Ursula, are you still there? She'd say, oh, yep, still here. Just had to answer a quick text or something. You know, all of this takes a little bit more understanding and patience. And there is a good part of that. And as long as the mom doesn't get offended of, well, where'd she go? She just left me. And the doula is communicating and the doula, you know, has an understanding of, you know, I, if I'm going to leave the screen and she can't see me anymore, I need to at least be audio connected so I can answer her if she wonders where I am, you know? So, um, so anyway, so I think we had what I felt was complete continuous support and other than when she'd clearly communicate with me, like with my first, with the C-section or some of those other things, um, you know, and like I said, maybe even more support in the sense that I felt like I could call her a little bit earlier. You know, she could be there a little bit sooner. Mm. And I think in my experience, whenever I say have to go to the bathroom during a birth and I, you know, tell the partner or make depending on what the birthing person is doing in terms of how deeply into the birth process and labor land they're in, right? If I don't want to distract them just for that, I'll just check in with the partner and say, like, I'm just going to pop out for the bathroom. I'll be right back. Or if it's early on, I'll say, you know, are you okay if I go to the bathroom? I think same thing could be done. And if you're thinking, I don't want to interrupt them, I just want to, but I need to go to the bathroom. You can even put a sign on on your chair yeah. on, that says bathroom in case you glance back and it's like where's the doula oh bathroom <laughs> that is a good point and that also brings up too is you know making sure your partner you know has their telephone number um because there's also you know texting that can go on the side and and having a conversation around that like i was very clear with my husband you can text a doula but you can't text anybody else Because if I'm in labor and I look over and you're on your phone, I might lose it. Mm. Um, You know, and so having those sorts of questions of, I know, you know, if I saw my husband texting while I was working so hard, you know, letting him know that like those boundaries that you might have or those triggers that you might have in labor. Um, But it actually brings up with this last birth, this home birth, my doula actually connected with my midwife and asked for her cell phone number and they were kind of texting and communicating on the side, um, which, you know, later I kind of found out they, you know, it's just some of those conversations that in person, it would be easy to step out in the hallway. Um, Just kind of empowering 
the doula and your midwife or your provider to maybe connect offline if there's something that they need to talk about. You know, for me, um, my blood pressure was high for a bit and they didn't want to alarm me by having this open dialogue about it. And so what I found out later is, you know, they were kind of texting on the side of, oh, well, what are the exact levels? And, um, you know, and just trying to troubleshoot what was going on with the birth. And so, um, so anyways, being aware of that and finding out if your doula is comfortable, you know, giving out their cell phone or comfortable, you know, texting the partner, which I would assume, but also, you know, maybe even some of the providers, if the providers were also comfortable with that, it's another avenue just to um, fill in kind of a communication gap that might be a little bit easier to do in person. Mm -hmm. And I have a couple of questions. One is around all the things that you just said. (laughs) One is, (laughs) did you guys during the prenatals talk a bit about uh, like how that support was going to be provided and when to contact her and did your husband and and ursula connect in terms of you know make a game plan of yes i'll be on the ipad but here's you know make sure you text me and let's have the two lines of communication going um or when to call did that was there a conversation around that i don't i mean there was not specific to you know, the virtual support, I think it was the same conversation that we had about in-person support of, you know, basically we felt like I have this thing. I don't know, like these rules I kind of made for myself of like, to me, email seems the least obtrusive that she can read at any time. Text seems like a little bit more, she could answer it later. And a call seems like this is important. I think I'm in labor. Um, so I don't know if I just made those rules up for myself, but if it was some question about, Hey, do I need to get this for some postpartum product or something like that? I'd put it in an email. It's not time sensitive. If it's something that I was a little bit worried about, like, Hey, I think I'm having Braxton Hicks, you know, do you have any ideas? Something that's not time sensitive. I text. And, but if it was something that I feel like I'm in active labor, I need your attention, your undivided attention, I'd do a voice call. And I think we always started with a voice call. And then again, with, I think she would hear me and we'd kind of say, you know, we'd try to decide, is this it, you know, between the two of us, does one or both of us think this is it? And if so, then it's kind of, all right, yeah, let me get out of bed. Let me, you know, get my setup, you know, to do FaceTime or Zoom or whatever you're going to do. And I'll call you back in five minutes or, you know, and so Mm -hmm. um, because we I will say we usually did not immediately FaceTime because particularly if it's in the middle of the night, you know, respecting your your doula's privacy as well, that they might not want to wake up and immediately be on video. (laughs) Well, and that makes sense to me as well, because that's how the doula process starts with you all client like I ask them to call me as soon as they think they're in labor but that that doesn't mean that they need me right away it's more of a check-in and a heads up um until it gets to a point that it's like okay now we need you and from there it's continuous so I think I would follow kind of the same rules um for myself in terms of providing that service of when to be virtual but of course it would have some flexibility for from client to client depending on their own needs 
Yeah, I agree. I think that process is less impacted by the virtual nature or the physical nature. I think that process is probably pretty similar no matter which services you're doing. So then for the birth center birth, um, you you were talking about how the home birth that your doula and your midwife were texting and having that communication. Um when you have a doula, virtual doula set up in, say, more of a birth center, in, in your case, or even a hospital situation, what would you recommend in terms of connecting and introducing the virtual doula to the other caregivers that are present, the rest of the team? Yeah, I think particularly in a situation where you might not know who your provider is, you know, in a home birth or sometimes even a birth center, you know exactly who your midwife is going to be. Um, but in the hospital, you very frequently do not know who your provider is going to be. And I think one of the biggest things as a client that's important is to introduce your doula to your providers and for you to state how important it is for you and to basically empower your doula to have a voice um, because, you know, in person, there's a lot more body language and ways that somebody can assert themselves that, you know, virtually you just can't do as well. And so I think from the client being both, you know, I'll just say if it's a hospital birth, both the hospital's client as well as a doula's client, if you're, you know, being assertive and saying, you know, this is my doula. Given the circumstances, they are virtual, but um, but I rely on them for advice, and I you know need for you to also you know address any questions they might have, um, and and to say you know I need you know that to be respected. I need for them to have a place and a presence in this room. I think it then makes it easier for the doula to be able to assert themselves and do their job. Because if it's an understanding from the whole team, if the importance of this person and this role is understood, then they have an easier time to say, hey, I'm here and I think we should suggest this. And um, with my birth center birth, it was, uh, I had the same midwife for my birth center birth and my home birth. Um, and the birth center birth was the first time we all had worked together. Um, and, and I was really impressed that Ursula was able to, you know, she kind of asserted herself at one point, I was having really bad hip pain. Um, and my husband and the midwife were trying to do counter pressure, but they were doing it for a long time and understandably getting tired. Um, and so my doula had recommended this technique using a bed sheet, you know, that you wrap it around the hips and my husband pulled one end and the midwife pulled the other. And, you know, the doula explained how, you know, you basically use like 25% less energy so you can do it for longer. And it was amazing that she was able to talk both the partner and the midwife through this technique and this process to which my midwife afterwards said, that was incredible, you know, I have been doing this for 15 years and I've never thought of that technique. I've never seen that technique and I'll continue to use that technique for other births. It made it so much easier. 
And so to me, that's just a testament of how, how much even virtually doulas can still provide in the physical realm and still impart knowledge and techniques and almost even more probably in a more permanent way on the partner or the provider, because again, de facto, they have to be hands-on at the direction of the doula. And so I think, I think part of what really enabled that situation to happen is I was clear with my midwife beforehand that, you know, Ursula is a very important person in our birth plan and I trust her implicitly. And, and I think, you know, my midwife hearing that, or, you know, any provider you might have, it puts context around, you know, why, you know, we might go to a little bit extra lengths to make room for an iPad or a laptop or find a table or move this person around. You know, it's not just, uh, you know, a friend that wanted to see your birth and, you know, you know, may play less of a role, you know, that just really making sure you communicate how important it is to you as a client and that, you know, you really want them to be respected. Mm, and I think that's really important. And also even having a conversation ahead of time, like you did with your midwife, um, or if it's a nurse that you're just meeting for the first time, introducing your doula and introducing, you know, both ways, and also asking them, are you okay if, you know, she's not here to provide or, or you know, counter pressure and do this and my partner is doing this. Are you okay to, if she guides you through some things or maybe send images of positions that might be um, helpful in terms of what's going on during the labor? Because if labor is flowing, it's all great and it's flowing and you just do your things. But sometimes when it's a little more like, hmm, maybe if we try this position or that position, that's when doulas have because we can't do anything medical have more of that information of creativity of movement and and positioning and you know using those sheets to do a double hip squeeze without killing your back (laughs) yeah and i think that actually could be one thing that could be helpful for the doula to share ahead of time with um the the birthing family is that you know if you share kind of some of your techniques or hey just so you know i have techniques on counter pressure i have techniques on these things then what you also can do is the mom or the partner can prompt at that time you know i remember doing it with my last birth because i know you know at that point i had worked with ursula on three births you know and and i know what she can provide. I remember saying to her, Ursula, I need you to tell the midwife where to move their hands. You know, I need you, you know, and because I knew she knew where I needed it. And, you know, the midwife or even my, you know, more so my partner, you know, has less intuitive ideas to where to put them. But, you know, and so if the, if one of the parents are, are more, aware of what they can provide, then you can kind of prompt the doula and say, hey, don't you have a technique for this? You know, and and then again, also open that space up for the doula to have a voice and to be able to speak up. 
Yeah, because I've found nurses to be very open to learning things because they know they can then use them later. Like they're not, they, in my experience, depends on the on the nurse, but in my experience, <laughs> they're not about putting their egos first. At the end of the day, this is where I'll try and choose have the birthing person have the best possible experience. So if I can, you know, do this, that's going to help the process move along, then yeah, I'll try that. Um, as you were talking, I remembered. So what about, did your doula have you bring any specific things to the birth or a list of, you know, accessories that she would need because usually I have some stuff in my doula bag or I have a lot of stuff in my doula bag I don't use <laughs> I use very little of them but it's packed because every so often it's like you just need that specific thing um but if it's virtual those things aren't in the room did she give you a list or did you guys talk about that ahead of time yeah, we definitely had a conversation ahead of time um about and that's kind of what it came down to was the question was kind of you know, what do you have in your bag that I might not have that maybe I should get? And, you know, so some of the things I remember getting were specific essential oils. And that actually came in handy when my blood pressure was high. We were able to use, and I forget exactly what one it was, um, but we used one to help, you know, lower, lower my blood pressure. And that was something that my doula talked the team through, said, Hey, Jackie, were you able to get, you know, that list of essential oils? All right, find whatever one it was. And then she said to the midwife, okay, Kiki, you know, rub it on your hands, hold it to the underside of her feet. And, you know, that's just what we'll do for, I forget however long, um, you know, so, so um, I think like essential oils or some teas that, you know, again, and your midwife or your OB or your provider might have some of these ideas too. If, um, but I know that, um, they've made teas for me. Um, I got teas and homeopathic remedies like Arnica. But I think the conversation, or the easy question to ask is, what do you have in your bag that you would normally take that you think that, you know, that would be helpful for me to get ahead of time? And you basically just add it to your, you know, your delivery birth bag, go bag that you probably were already making. Mm hmm. And I yeah. And as you were thinking, I was like, what do I have? And I don't do essential oils or homeopathic teas or remedies. I have people get them ahead of time, but consult with their provider because I feel that's a little bit like medical realm. And so it's out of my doula scope. But I would one of the things that I use so much and I think would be really helpful for the partner is even a yoga block. And I use that yoga block to mm. sit on and to like that prop everywhere <laughs> that yoga blog really helpful um a um gardener's pad just in case you need to kneel to protect yeah. the knees um and un unscented massage oil would be another yeah. thing that i'm thinking out loud but yeah i love the the idea of just asking what do you have in your bag that i don't have and i would need and I have a Rebozo lending library, so I give each of my clients a Rebozo. So maybe that's something I would mail ahead of time. Yeah, and I mean, and that I I agree. That's one thing that um, basically, as a doula, any of the tools that you are used to using, that you know, like you're saying, it's like if you 
if you're on this virtual call and you're like, oh man, if they really had a yoga block, I could, I could totally tell them how to use it right now, right? So even from the doula standpoint, knowing that when you're providing the services, if you have something that, you know, maybe that they might not have, you know, you're, you're going to be frustrated because I would, I would guess, you know, I would, um, you know. Yeah. If only they had that. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And so, so even, you know, for you to think through of like, okay, what do I consider, you know, are my essential tools um, that would be good for them to have. And I will say that's another thing is a TENS unit. Mm -hmm. I used a TENS unit for my second birth and that seemed helpful. I mean, it, it was my first out of hospital birth. So I don't know if it was helpful from that standpoint or even a virtual doula standpoint, but I felt like I was, I had some level of control over my pain and managing my pain, you know, in a not in an out of hospital birth setting. Um, so anyway, as a TENS unit is kind of another thing that maybe you might bring, but, um, you know, you might want to recommend renting or. Yeah. Great idea. Um, did her fees change at all or wording in her contract change at all, um, from an in-person support to a virtual support? I, you know, I don't remember the contract language being distinct one way or another. Um, We, you know, we paid our full fees. We paid the same fees as in person. And, you know, really when my partner and I had talked about it, um, even beforehand of just saying, you know, trying to decide if we needed a doula for our second birth in general or not, which was a quick decision. The answer was yes. Um, but loud and resounding. Yes. (laughs) You know, but we had kind of talked about like, okay, well, we're doing this virtually, you know, do we want to ask for it to be discounted? And, and basically after the birth was said and done, both my husband and I, you know, both thought of, no, we, we got the exact same services that we got, that we felt like we got in person. Um, and, and I do know, I, I know the way, you know, and so for me, we kind of feel like there is no amount of money in the world that can like, we can pay doulas to show our appreciation for the services that they provide. So in that way, unless we felt like we had significantly compromised service, I, you know, there just wasn't really a question or a conversation for us around it, you know, it was just very much of she helped us through this birth in very similar, if not the same way she did with our initial birth. Yes, yeah, she should be compensated in the same way. Um, I do know the way that, you know, my doula structures it is, you know, she she also considers it kind of services rendered. You know, you can you know, if you want full service with prenatal and postnatal, you know, meetings or, you know, birth related services. And I do know specifically to the current, you know, COVID coronavirus situation, um, she is providing, you know, emergency kind of last minute um, birth only services at a discounted rate, basically to try to support the community of, 
you know, no woman should have to birth alone. <laughs> and, you know, if somebody for whatever reason, because of these laws or, you know, maybe their doula isn't equipped to take on virtual services, you know, being able to provide birth only services and having doulas on hand to, to do that. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, Agreed. And, and, and there's all, you know, we're talking about your experience was not under these circumstances of COVID. There's a lot to that relates, but then there's other contacts that needs to be brought in to what the person is experiencing. And I get that. Um, so I, like I considered, and I have reduced my fees for this time for virtual support just to provide that service to the community, but it wouldn't be something that I would necessarily do all the time, or if I continue providing virtual services in the future, just because I get that, like, everybody's under a, a different level of stress at the moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Were there some things you missed about not having your doula in person? You know, it's funny, we've talked about some of the troubleshooting. Um, you know, there there's some there was some clunkiness particularly the first time we had done it you know like i said not having um like having some wi-fi connective issues and then um you know that you wouldn't have to deal with and then also um you know having the flexibility of moving her around and in different positions you know somebody has to move her she doesn't have her own two feet to move um but really what's interesting is aside from some of those logistic things that we were able to kind of work the kinks out for the second time we did it. Um, the biggest difference for me is not being able to like give her a hug when the baby was born and not being able to, you know, have her hold the baby, you know, it just has this kind of lingering, you know, impact with me. And, you know, my daughter will almost be one and Ursula hasn't met her because we live on different sides of the country. Um, you know, and I know she will one day, um, but there's just a part of me that really loves that connection and that appreciation and that very special moment um, after the baby's there of like huddling together or laying on the bed together and, you know, kind of hugging this new baby. And, that's really the the biggest difference and the biggest thing um, thing that I miss is not being able to share that moment. And, you know, we do the best we can. We bring the iPad over and, you know, show her the baby. And, you know, there it's, it's not completely devoid of that special moment. It's, um, but to me, that's, that has been the biggest lasting difference for me of in-person versus virtually. Yeah, I could imagine missing that hug <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, and I um, had a birth recently. I didn't, the birth part was face-to-face, -face, but then the postpartum meeting we did virtually. And so I got to, um, you know, see this little baby afterwards. It, and it was through virtually and it was like, oh, but you know, it's not the same, but still it's great to hear that in terms of how helpful she was to you there was not really 
a big difference that you noted in terms of what you needed from a virtual to a physical face-to-face support, and which speaks a lot to how vitally do important doulas are for emotional and informational support, and then they can guide other people in terms of the physical. But it's not like the calming presence, presence, the reassuring for you and your partner, like there's so much levels to it that it's not about, you know, having somebody to put some pressure on your back. Yeah. And it's funny. I, um, in having a conversation with another mom, we were talking about this and, you know, and this other mom was really smell dependent and, um, and kind of, you know, light sensitive. Um, and, and so I, I actually had told her um, she's using the same doula that I had used. And I said, you know, our doula, usually she's um, she does essential oils and uh, frequently she smells like patchouli. And so I said to this other mom, I said, honestly, if you are smell dependent and you think that it would be helpful, put some patchouli on a stuffed animal and bring it with you. Aww. If you think that that would like... <laughs> give you this little extra essence of her being there and you Absolutely. know and so it, it, it seemed kind of silly but it's like it's similar to kids you know if you're gonna go on a long trip and your kid's gonna be here you know you might put try to put your scent on a stuffy for them or something and and so um so anyways that's kind of just something to kind of think about and that gets back to this whole visualizing your birth and things if you're light sensitive or sound sensitive trying to think a little bit ahead of, again, talking to your doula, like, what would you do if the light was really harsh or if sounds are distracting? Oh, I usually put something on my, you know, my phone or, you know, and, and talking through, again, some of those tools or techniques that the doula might be able to do easier if they're in person and seeing if there's something that as a parent, you can add to your bag of tools um, to help you, you know, troubleshoot those things. I love it. Jackie, is there anything else that you wanted to make sure, anything that we forgot to talk about or any other thoughts before we wrap this up? No, I mean, I, I think I think the last thing I probably would just want to say, just given the current climate, and I've talked to a few moms at this point, um, is there's a lot of fear happening that might not have been here a few weeks or months ago. Um, And I, I think the biggest thing with virtual support and why it's so important to me to share my story of doing it by choice rather than necessity is not to be scared. There's a lot of other things that are going to contribute to your fear right now. And the differences between virtual support and in-person doula support doesn't have to be one of them, you know, and doulas are amazing and willing to adapt their services right now and willing to, you know, hone different skill sets. You know, that's a conversation my doula and I have had is it's just honing a little bit different of a skill set, being more verbal than physical, Um, you know, and, and I think doulas just by nature of who they are and the line of work they're in are really good at being adaptive. Um, and it takes a little bit more patience and understanding, but all in all, technology has made this an incredible option um, that is fairly easy to implement. Um, and 
So I just, I guess my biggest message is just not to be scared and not to have this fear be one of the fears you might be feeling. Um, and I will, one other thing I did forget about is um, talking about specific platforms is, um, you know, considering, you know, FaceTime versus Skype versus Zoom meetings. You know, one thing that was brought up recently is Zoom meetings you can record. And so I think that's just kind of an interesting thing that I totally would have opted to do, you know, to just record the whole process and the whole birth from that vantage point and viewpoint. Um, mm, that would be but, so fabulous. Um, there's some hospitals that don't allow you to record from pushing up until birth. So that might be a little bit to, something to navigate or figure out, but you, you can certainly like, you know, figure it out, but definitely True. having a recording of your birth and your labor um, and those immediate postpartum moments. And, you know, you can hit the record button or not. Um, pause or not. <laughs> I am not recommending either way. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, good point. yeah, to have that. How lovely. No, that's a great point. Thank you so very, very much for this fabulous episode that so, so many of my questions were answered and I am excited to be providing doula, virtual doula support. Yeah. And I mean, and, and I also just want to offer too, is if, if anybody, if it would make them feel better to talk to somebody who's done it, um, you know, feel free to reach out to Adriana and she can put you in contact with me if you, you know, would like to just ask any more questions Again, I particularly given the situation right now, any type of fear reduction that I can help contribute to, um, you know, I would love to. So thank you so very much. It's been a delight. Mighty Ones, find the in-depth show notes for this episode at birthful.com, where you can also learn more about me, the show, send me messages and more. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriskie. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. Here is what Jackie had for breakfast. I had oatmeal with yogurt and blueberries and sunflower and pumpkin seeds. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another maternity pro to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so very much for listening. This episode is copyright 2020 by Adriana Lozada. Hey, Mighty One. Did you know that if you started listening to one birthful episode per day at the start of your pregnancy, your baby would be about three months old before you got through all of them? That is so much birthful. So to ease us into the summer and to help you catch up on your listening, we're going back to releasing one episode per week instead of two. Now you know.